hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Buddhist Biohacker. My name is Lisa, and I am your mystic guide. Welcome to everybody who's joining. Don't forget, if you're here on YouTube, to click subscribe to Buddhist Biohacker, and please share this content and community with all of the people that you know. We greatly appreciate it. And for everyone who's joining in the live, welcome in. I would love to hear one word that describes how you're feeling today. I would love to just hear one word about what you're feeling today. We can kind of see where you guys are at and also share your location if you want to share where you are. We love to know that too. We are here with a brand new featured guest. I'm so excited. We are here talking about Grace to Grace with April Meganson. Welcome back, April. Hello. Thank you for featuring me, Lisa. It's so exciting. It is. I'm so excited. And I love our rose picture. It just is exactly what Grace is all about. We need to have like bouquets of roses behind us when we're talking. I know. I've got some flowers behind me, but you can't really see them. It's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and welcome to our members. You guys don't forget that you can become a member of the Buddhist Biohacker YouTube channel. We have all these crazy emojis. So you'll see April in our comments. Um, shadow work. We have a bird, you know, making the bird shadow is our <laughs> shadow work. We have a tornado if you're spinning um, with what you're thinking. Um, we have a hat, a little witch hat if you're feeling magical. So we have some fun things. And it looks like our audience, so Hope's one word today is anxious and Jackie is tired and Mary is overwhelmed. <laughs> So this is a good um, feel of the audience because I think we're all feeling like this week just got away from us somehow. We were just talking about that. But yeah, um, so yeah, keep sharing those one words and welcome in. Hi, Jackie and Hope and Mary and everybody who's joining us. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I think those words are really apt. Mm -hmm. They are, they're just kind of, and you and I were just talking about this. It's you know, Ayurveda, the science of the sister science of yoga, I mean, basically the science of life, <laughs> in a way, you know, it's called that sometimes. It's the Vata time of year, which is any time that is, you know, a, a junction time between time. So we're going from, you know, winter into spring, and then spring is that kind of intermediary time of growth and all of that. And, and when anytime that happens, the, you're going to feel in just in the air itself, a lot more anxiety, a lot more spinning, a lot more whirling, the winds going, the temperatures 85 one day and 35 the next. And it's just this big energy. And, you know, that brings me to something that I think is a very, very um, timely subject, which is boundaries. Mm. So, uh, so, you know, it's funny how it all flows, right, Lisa? So yeah. I think that understanding that for me, I, I looked, I, when I started learning all this about, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, I looked back at my journals and uh, every single November and March are me in an absolute panic. Just like everything, the end of the world is coming. I mean, and then when I started to realize, like, okay, well, I'm a Vata, like, more of a Vata person with a, with a lot of uh, Pitta, which is fire, of course. So I started to realize, like, oh, well, this is the time of year I get imbalanced. Yeah. This is not just all me being crazy. Some of it is. Some of it was. And I did a lot of work around that. Also, we don't have to take that on as our own. We can realize oh my gosh, like this is a really spinny time of year. I have a tendency to kind of spin and have a lot of anxiety. What is the antidote to this? Spices, right? Like, you know, you're an Ayurvedic practitioner here. I mean, you know, cinnamon, warming spices, things that, you know, to, getting outside and sitting on the ground, you know, feeling our feet on the ground. There's so many antidotes. And the thing is, is we don't have to say to ourselves anymore, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I shouldn't be this anxious. What? I shouldn't feel overwhelmed. Yeah, we're part of nature. Why shouldn't you? <laughs> totally. 
<clears throat> especially right now, because there is all those ups and downs. And I was thinking about this the other day, because I'm also, I'm, I'm Vata Kappa. So I have this very crazy balance of I'm Vata. So there's this, all this like air ether energy, but then the kappa kind of weighs me down. So I have to be careful to balance those out because otherwise I start to get too heavy trying to balance out being too light and all those things. And it's a journey, but I was laughing the other day because my cat is cauldron's very vata. Like she is so wild. She's always running around crazy. She's a thin little petite cat. She's very active. She runs and runs and runs and runs back and forth in the house. And so I was giggling the other day because I thought only I would have a Vata cat that also is also feeling that because like the windows were open. It was 70 degrees. She was like getting the outside. She was all wild. And now she's like, you know, whining at the window because it's really cold and we can't open it up. And so there's this weird balance right now. Like we're yeah. one minute we're thrust here and then we're thrust into a different place. So I like that you're bringing that up because it's true. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, even this year is even more of a, of a time to be very attentive because, patterns and habits that we have and i mean they're just so much deep they're they're being exposed they're not even deeper it's that they're being exposed so imagine <laughs> you know imagine this is this time of year this is what this time of year does and this time of year has um this type of influence on our human bodies and minds and so on everyone else's too so everyone is feeling this anxiety and not a lot of people know how to get the antidote to that. Oh, wow, I'm feeling anxious. Usually what happens when someone says, I'm anxious, I'm overwhelmed, it spins even deeper because then they think, because I know, because I've thought this, what is wrong with me? Why can't I stop this? Why can't I stop this? It doesn't work that way. It's just like we accept it for what it is and the time of year that it is and for what's going on circumstantially. And then we have the tools and the, and have educated ourselves on how to offset that to, mm. to, for it to be okay, because it, it really just is okay. And yeah. I think that that's a profound, that's what changed. I don't have anything in my journals anymore. It's been about 10 years that say, are, are you with me? My internet's a little yeah. off. That's a Vata thing, right? Yeah. Um, am I back yet? You're back. Okay. Um, I haven't had anything in my journals for quite a long time about the spinning because I knew I was taught how to offset it. And I did that and it freaking works. You know, Yeah. what do you do for it? Well, I have, as I've balanced through, you know, we've been talking a lot about shadow work. As I balance through shadow work, I don't have to do that much anymore. I just know it's coming and I just, I, I get clear with myself and process very quickly. And I think that's part of what shadow work does. I think it processes very quickly. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Like, I think yeah. you can go through things very quickly and um, what I used to do for it was I would just, you know, get outside and sit on a tree root. I would have some, um, you know, sweet potatoes with like cinnamon and um, like turmeric maybe on it because it's an inflammatory, it's an inflammation time of year also because of pollen mm -hmm. growth and all that. Um, I would get a hot cup of tea. I would just kind of remove myself from the situation and get quiet. And, you know, as I, as I knew the antidote to that and also took on the work of the systemic root of my own anxiety, it really changed. I mean, it, it's night and day. Anybody that knew me 10 years ago or 15 years ago will tell you that it's absolutely night and day, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, I think it is important because you know, even today, there's just been a lot going on. There's a lot of spinning. There's a lot of like, you know, things going on for all of us. And right before the show, you know, I just kind of sat and was really quiet. 
but also not in a quiet place either. So that's another thing that shadow work does is that I find that I've been able to tap into the silence where silence has nothing to do with noise or not noise. Silence has to do with that thing underneath of it all. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, I was reading this book and um, I can't remember the name of it. It was written in the 90s. It's about Sophia. And oh, no. yeah, there's this beautiful quote and I just read it actually. It said the wisdom of the silence came before the the word of the logos. Mm. Which is profound, right? Yeah. And that's always that's always there. We just we we can access that the more clear or I've been able to access that and you can probably speak to this too. The clearer I've become about, you know, taking responsibility for myself, getting into taking pieces back that were rejected, taking those things I didn't want to see about myself, bringing all that back in, in this really like kind of loving way has has absolutely transformed that. And yes, do I feel still feel anxious? Yeah, I do. Of course, it's an emotion, right? We're not ever yeah. not going to feel anxious or sad or angry. Like the point is, is that you don't have to get rid of that stuff. It's yeah. us, but you don't have to live there either. It's about processing and getting very clear about what's happening right now. What am I spinning into? How can I arrest that spin? And also be gentle with myself that I am spinning. It's fine. It's just that I can arrest it now more and more and more quickly or the pattern has dissolved entirely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. I mean, the, and the overwhelm, you know, Mary mentioned she was overwhelmed and I'm, I'm there. Like I have my schedule turned into a train wreck in March. I mean, it just did. And so I decided I would create space in April and May to like get things in order and it's April 15th and I can't believe, I mean, the things I thought I would have done and I'm like, God, it's already been two weeks. It is going to take the whole month to catch up. And so that overwhelm has come up for me too, where you get like, it's like this feeling like this sinking feeling, like <clears throat> there's no way I can do all of these things. And that is when the silence is so important. You know, it's pulling yourself back in, taking a deep breath and just knowing, okay, like I'm not going to be where I thought I was supposed to be. And I think that's hard as a creative. And I'm curious, I know Mary's in the audience and mentioned she was overwhelmed, but she's a creative. And I know you are too, April. Don't you find, I mean, it seems like as soon as you give yourself space, you have so many creative ideas that you overwhelm yourself. I mean, it's like, it's like no matter what you do, there's this overwhelm because there's such a flow of energy and especially that divine feminine, that Shakti energy, when it starts to flow through you, it's like, sometimes I'm like, whoa, guys, you need to chill because I can't, how can I even begin to take this stuff on and do these things? And you really have to prioritize and look at your schedule and try not to get caught up. I mean, and yeah, you move through it quickly. Like you get to a point where you move through it. And um, it used to be that I'd get overwhelmed and I just shut down. And this last month is the first time I've done that in a really long time. Cause I really had kind of broken through that pattern. I'd managed my schedule well. And then all of a sudden it was like, Ooh, this pattern's back. Just like you're saying the Vata time. It's like, Oh, this pattern's back. Like what's happening here, you know? And you have to look at going full circle to what you said about boundaries. You have to look at where you've overcommitted, what your boundaries are. Cause a lot of times that's what overwhelm is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I find, I don't know. That's a really good question. And I think, but you know, I think sometimes also it's appropriate to, to, to back off. Like sometimes that is the, it's not necessarily a pattern. Like it's the appropriate response. Like you needed rest. You didn't just retreat. I mean, you weren't like fight or flight. You took mindful rest, which is what you needed. So maybe that pattern isn't back. Maybe it's just, you know, it was just what you needed. And I think that's what starts to happen is that we know 
what we need at that time and we take it, you know, and it's not a pattern. It's not like a robotic thing. It's like, oh, well, we can flow with the season. We can flow with what's going on, you know, this day. We can flow with the circumstances and then we can do what's best. You know, if we're not, if our vessel, I don't even like to call it a vessel. If ourselves are operational, what good are we doing anywhere? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody said a couple of months ago to me, um, self-care, we think self-care is like so easy and, you know, it's so, oh, go get self-care, like do that, self-care, the self-care that, right? Self-care is probably the most challenging thing that we can do. Yeah, it totally is. And, and it's about, it's so much deeper than going to get a massage. I mean, I can't tell you how many, you know, sessions I had to have with somebody, a counselor or somebody or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, you just need a massage or you just need this. And it's like, not even that, like, that's not the root of it. The root of it is why are we not putting ourselves first? And Mary says, Vata time totally makes sense. And, you know, to go back to that, what you're saying, April, you bring up a really good point about the mindful rest, because that is a way to balance Vata is mindful rest yin yoga, slow moving practices, taking a mindful walk in a labyrinth. Like those are the things to kind of unwind because Vata is this corkscrew of energy, you know, that the, the perfect Vata in our day and age uh, description is Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones. He is a Vata. Yeah. Thin, wafy, creative, full of energy, super healthy, always doing something, you know, he's 80 or whatever. And he's like, go, go, go. That's a Vata. So Vata is this like corkscrew energy. He's like, he is, isn't he? He's like the perfect. No, it's just, it's just challenging to see him as, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. There's a lot of good not good things there, but there's a lot of, you know, he's got that creative Bata corkscrew energy. And so the whole point is to unravel it. And you know what I did the other night, April is, well, not even the other night, it was last night. Um, I went, I rejoined my gym. I'm not a big gym person. I prefer actually solitary at home practice, but I really need to use some of the facilities that they have. And one of them is the dry sauna. And so last night, I went to the dry sauna and just like, let this sweat come out of me. You know, it was like, just let it. And that warm, right. Rebalances the Vata because Vata's tend to get cold. So it's that warming. And then I got out and I did a shower with like a full, like lymph brush scrub of the whole body. And then when I got out, I oiled warm oil into my whole body, which I'm obsessed with. Banyan has ashwagandha bala oil, which is like insane ashwagandha oil. And that's what I did yesterday. And man, I finally like had a really good night's sleep. That's like the best Mm -hmm. ultimate. If you're overwhelmed, everybody's anxious and overwhelmed in here. Like if you can sweat and warm the body and then scrape it and then oil it. Oh man, I can't tell you how much better I felt last night. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all one thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Just the layers of ourself, you know, mm-hmm. the other thing that I find that's really profound and I'm going to put one up in my YouTube um, channel. If you subscribe, I just have to do a better one. I have a few that I've done for clients, but yoga nidra is just mm. profound. It's profound. You know, uh, I mean, I can't tell you the experience that I have with that over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours and watching people you know, go through this yoga nidra practice with me that have, you know, been in horrible pain. And, you know, I won't go into all the physical things I work with. They don't even take any pain medication anymore, even going into even going into minor, um, you know, a couple of them have to go into minor procedures done every, every six weeks, and they don't take any pain medication, because they know yoga nidra will take them into that alpha state, rest, digest, nourish, heal, uh, parasympathetic state. And, um, you know, I think that that is what you did for yourself is you brought yourself into a parasympathetic state Mm -hmm. by 
going in there and doing the steam and doing the brushing and doing the oiling that so however you know how that you work really well with getting into a parasympathetic state that's the thing to do you mm -hmm. know during this time of year that in fact in, during any time of year because in summer what we deal with is is anger right you're going to start it's going to get hot and then anger is going to come up right and yep. in the winter we deal with this kind of lethargy like so we don't we can change the narrative in a really profound way and say, all right, what's my nervous system doing right now? And what can I do to support a, a parasitic state when I have the time? Obviously, you can't do it at work. You can't, you, you don't have, you know, but when I have the time, what can I do? Mm -hmm. What makes me feel very, you know, what puts me into that state? And I yeah. think that, you know, I think that, First of all, you have to find that out for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, you have to find it out. And second of all, you know, you got to have a lot of them. <laughs> you got to have a lot of those tools because you don't always have time to go to the gym and do that. You know, like I know you yeah. don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's probably a treat. <laughs> yeah, it's a treat. And so, I mean, and, and that's a profound thing, too. But we also have to have these things at our at our fingertips that are going to bring us to that state more quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's part of what I teach every time I, I, I turn on a Zoom class or teach any type of private session. It doesn't matter if I'm teaching life coaching. It doesn't matter if I'm teaching yoga therapy. I've got a weight class. It never matters. That's the very first thing I ever do is bring everybody into a parasympathetic state. It doesn't matter what else is happening. I mean, then I say, pick up your weights, and then we do weights, and everybody's in this, like, very calm state doing weights, you know? <laughs> I love it. I have got to get into your weight class, and Please. I love that you so do that because there's, there's a word, April, this word that, like, I just love, and it's holding. And I think that we don't do that enough. Like holding ourselves as teachers, you and I both teach yoga practices. Like we're holding the container, you know, this show is holding space. Like they're holding, there's something about just holding that needs to happen right now for all of us. I think. I love that word. I mean, what a beautiful word. And you know, it's so it's about, I don't know if you can hear that jet. It's about um, the full community. It's not just about one person being this like hero. You know, that's still an old narrative. That's an old narrative. And that narrative is gone now. This mm -hmm. is about us as a community and as be uh, human beings moving forward together. And holding is a beautiful word that really kind of embodies that idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was healing my nervous system after mold and I did this practice where I just held my nervous system in meditation. I just held it and I held all of the anxiousness and the, the trauma and the stress and the whatever was going on with it. And I just held it until it, and you just hold and melt and hold and melt. And I listened to this lady. I'll never forget this. I listened to this lady on, I don't even know how we got on this tangent, but I listened to this lady on YouTube. No idea you guys who this lady was. I couldn't tell you now, but I listened to this meditation and all she did for 10 minutes was say, sit back and soften, sit back and soften like over and over. And man, that talk about holding. I mean, that's like yeah. a powerful mantra to sit back and soften. Yeah. I know. I use, I use those words class. Soften, melt, sit back. Lean back into yourself. Mm. Lean back, sit back, soften. What are you holding? You know, even we don't even realize it. You know, when people start working with me, it doesn't matter if you're a world class athlete or you're 90 years old, just doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's, it's so universal. And it's so interesting because when I have people engage core, 
and I don't even like that word, but it's the word everyone knows right now. When I have people, the way I say it is anchor center. What I have them do is hold that very lightly, which is super challenging. Hold it to 10 to 20% and then see what tries to take over. Shoulders take over. Jaw takes over. Can you hear me? Yes. Eyebrows. This this thing takes over. You know? Mm. Um, and 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 the inner thighs take over. And all these things that are not our center try to take over because we've conditioned ourselves that way for whatever reason, which is all fine. It's just that now we can recognize and say, hey, wow, I do a lot of gripping, which is mental tension. You, I, If you have TMJ or you have jaw issues, I know because I've had them. I can 100% tell you it's anxiety. It is. It's, it's mental tension. So we're doing, so when I work with the parasympathetic nervous system or side of the nervous system, what happens is you softening in two separate ways you soften mental tension which is like you know especially in our face and then your muscles start to relax because you're not in a fight or flight state where you're about to jump up and run or stand and fight like you know so there's 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 multiple layers of that softening and when we realize this about ourselves a lot of most (laughs) The majority of our discomforts and our pain in our backs, in our necks, in our shoulders, in our knees, in our joints come from this body armor that we put on ourselves that we don't even know. We just don't even know. And I only know that after thousands of hours of working with so many people and so many bodies. And I know it viscerally because I have have done this work and walked the road. But it's profound because you don't even realize it's a form of resistance, right? It's a form of resistance against whatever's in front of you. So maybe you're having a hard conversation and your jaw is like stuck. You know, that's that's such an incredible way for me to say, oh, am I gripping my jaw? What am I resisting in this conversation? What am I not? What am I resisting about this person? What what's going on here? Why is this showing up right now? And it's such a wonderful tool. I don't say, oh, I'm gripping again. I say to myself, oh my gosh, what is this showing me right now? Because I'm aware of the pattern. And I think the pattern just points deeper and deeper. It's that spiral thing, that layer, deeper layer, deeper layer, deeper layer. You know, which is a profound and real You can see you got me on topics that just make me go crazy, right? I mean. I love it, though. You're making me think I have this, like, this guy right here. I do, too. I know. Do you know? So in in, I have a gal who does Chinese face readings, and she says this is called the blade. And whenever you have that, you have seen trauma in your life. You've seen trauma outward, you know, outward. But. I notice, funny you mentioned that. I mean, it's really amazing and cool that you're talking about this because about gripping your jaw, because that's what this is for me. Like, I'll be looking at something on the computer, I'll be talking to somebody, and I can start to feel it. And I'm like, ooh, I'm doing. And I had an old boss who called it my thinking face. I mean, he yes. would excuse me about it. He'd be like, what are you doing with that face? But it's one of the, that's my jaw gripping thing is this up here where I'm starting to do this. And it's like, whoa, like open, soften you know, that, that kind of thing. Like, why am I concentrating so hard? Like, you know, what am I doing here? And so you really have to like step back and, and sometimes it's very simple. Sometimes I just need my glasses. I mean, sometimes it's a huge reminder of like, oh my gosh, I need support, right? Going back to the boundaries. Like I need to support my body to be able to see what I'm trying to read or whatever. And we forget that. I mean, we forget to take care of ourselves in the simplest ways. Yeah. It's true. But when we learn our patterns, they are, are oh gosh, they're our biggest gifts because mm-hmm. they start to tell us like there are road. They're literally I say it all the time. They are our roadmaps inward. Yes. Um, speaking of trauma, there's this really uh, this incredible definition of trauma. This is by De- uh, this step by Deb. Dina, and it's um, 
It's from this book called Polyvagal Exercises for Safety and Connection. Ew. Trauma, which might be thought of what happens to a person. Okay, ready for this? Trauma might be, which might be thought of as what happens to a person where there is either too much too soon, too much for too long, or not enough for too long. Wow. So what does that say? Everybody has experienced trauma. Don't minimize your trauma just because you don't have some crazy story to tell. Trauma is still trauma. That I'm going to read it again. Do you mind? Yeah, let's do it. Trauma is what happens to a person where there is either too much too soon, too much for too long, or not enough for too long. Mm. A state of protection and survival is the only goal with trauma. Mm. It's closed to connection and change. Pretty major, right? Yeah. I mean, that gives us so... See, I did it. I always do it. I got this and the jaw and the everything else. You know why I say that? Because it's I, I have so much stuff that I can work with everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think it's profound because you know what? That holds, we're able, with that definition, uh, like we're able to hold each other in this really kind space and not compare because there is no, co- there's no comparison. We've all been through trauma, every single one of us with that definition. And I think that that's profound. That's a really, really profound um, understanding to have and a way to start to bring the pieces we put away from ourselves to protect ourselves, to bring them back in and say, you did the best you could with what you had at that time. Thank you. Now I'm surviving and, and you can come back in. Yeah. I, I think that that is really, that's a, such an incredibly profound, I know I say the word profound and powerful all the time and pointed out to me, those are my words. <laughs> <laughs> such a deep place. I know my internet's going in and out. It's all right. It's not going out enough that we're losing track of what you're saying. So it's Okay, good. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that, um, and I, I use the word profound a lot too, because I think most everything is profound. I mean, I I think you get to a place and I think that's where you and I speak the same language too, is you get to a place in your life where everything, it's like, you're awestruck by everything. And that's why profound is such a great word. Cause it's like, man, like there's so much beautiful layers of stuff in words and phrases and thoughts and all those things. You can't help but use that. I use profound and potent. Those are my two words. I use those all the time. (laughs) See, it just fits perfectly. Profound and powerful, profound and potent. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is because we start to recognize when we do or I started to, I mean, you know, I say we, because I see we, that's what I see. Cause I work with so many people. I see we now. And I, and when I say we, I obviously mean I, because I've taken this journey. Otherwise I can't, couldn't speak to it. When we look ourselves in the face, we find our power. Hmm. Yeah. We're not going to find it before then, which also brings me to another thing I think about boundaries. And this has been cropping up in my world like the last few days. There is another thing. So I was talking about Vata earlier. We, We were talking about Vata earlier and how the anxiety like isn't always ours. You know, and we that's something that I think is also true about boundaries. So boundaries is is a word that is so overused and I don't know another word, but, you know, we teach people how to treat us. 
we teach people to treat us. And so people treat you a certain way, ask why, why you taught them to treat you that way. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really important because what happens is when that starts to be taken responsibility for as well, we can go take that Vata thing to a deeper level and say, that is not mine. That thing you're doing to me, mm -mm, that ain't mine. Instead of taking it on and saying, you know, I saw this happen this morning to someone and this person got just a really, really mean, really kind of dangerous and scary text. And then this person started thinking about all the ways that he or she was disrespected. And I said, wait a second. Uh Uh-uh. This is not your energy. This is came through from this other text. Don't take it on. I always say, pack up their stuff, put it in a mental suitcase, hand it back to them. Mm -hmm. And and we do that to people too. I mean, I I find myself still doing that because it's just, there's, there's, there's a fine line that we're dancing between each other, you know, and we have all these habits and all these patterns and all these addictions. And we're just, we're porcupines walking through the world, just trying not to spear each other, you know? And, and I think the more we work in identifying our own habits and our own ways that we're teaching people how to treat us, we take a quill out every time. Mm-hmm. Not that porcupines aren't really cute, by the way, but you know, it's, it's that we take a quill out and we're more approachable. And we hold deeper space. We hold the space of that thing that, you know, we we removed or we dissolved, if that makes sense. It does. And, and I think it's worth accentuating, like, what you're talking about because there's yeah. so many healers in the community. So many of you guys and all of us were counseling people and healing people and working with individuals and supporting people and coaching people. And it's very easy. I cannot tell you guys how many texts I get. I mean, that's the truth of it. And it's definitely calmed way down. But I had to put boundaries in place, which is why it calmed down. But you get, you do, a lot of people throw out these like nets of baggage. And that's kind of how I look at it. It's like they're throwing it out to see if it's going to catch anything. And is it going to catch something or not? And they send it to the people, their friends and their family, and also their psychics and their healers and their counselors and those people, right? Because it's like, oh, I'm going to throw this out and see who's going to respond and feed into my drama today. And so I think it's important what you're bringing up to say, like, don't take that energy on because that's a lesson you don't always learn. You know, I think when you go to school to be a psychologist, There's a clinical boundary you learn, but I think when you're a psychic or a healer or a yoga instructor or a Reiki master or whatever you're doing, you don't always learn a boundary with that. So I just want to accentuate that conversation because I think it's really important for everybody to understand, like, we know we all want to help people, but you don't have to take that energy on, you know, that's when you have to say, listen, like I'm available in this capacity. That's when your boundary has to come up. And even with your friends, you might have to say things. I've had to say things to my friends. Like I'm not able to hold this for you right now. Like, you know, I can talk to you on this day or whatever it is, you know, because texting is a, is a thing that pushes through boundaries. I think texting, I like texting because it's convenient when you don't have the space or the energy to have like a a converse, a phone conversation. Texting is nice, but texting is also very invasive. I think, I think it's an invasive form of communication because you can send it at any time and then it's there and you've gotten it. And so honestly, April, like one of the boundaries I have is when I'm working, whether it's with clients or, Oh, I'm going to like, I've got some video production to do. Or when I went to the gym, I actually put my phone on do not disturb. Because, and and of course I put, like, I put on an airplane mode at night and all that when I'm sleeping, but there was a time I didn't, there was a time as a psychic, I was getting texts at three in the morning, like people freaking out. So I had to learn the hard way, like exactly what you're talking about, which is 
not to take it on, not to feel responsible because that's what it does is it, it, it's like putting responsibility on you, you know, to do something that really wasn't your yours to begin with. That was a long tangent, but. No, it was perfect. And I think, I think even a deeper pattern can be looked at with, within ourselves when we need to be getting these things, like, where are we trying to be the hero? You know, the, this is, this is part of the shadow work that I did. The other, this was, this was like a a punch in the face, a good one. If there's such a thing, um, the, the opposite side of the coin of a victim mentality is a hero mentality. Mm -hmm. Right. And so where do we feel like we and and you know what, when I started teaching yoga and then yamas and niyamas and the non stealing came up and all of us say like, oh, you don't steal. Uh, I don't steal. You know what? I realized I was because I wanted to help. This goes deeper and deeper, by the way. So stick with me. Because I wanted to help, I was stealing people's experiences to make them feel better. Right? I was going in and sweeping in and saving them. Or if they didn't want to be saved, then I was turning into the victim. Right? They didn't want my help. Well, you know, I mean, we can just hear this happening. Right? And so... The deeper thing here is that I'm stealing the experience that may draw them closer to themselves, you know? And what I realized even more deeply that it beyond a victim mentality, beyond a, beyond a hero mentality, that I couldn't sit with their pain. Mm -hmm. I couldn't sit with it. I had to change it. Let's fix it right now. Let me come help you. What do you need me to do? I would so much rather work really, really, really hard. Not anymore. I would so much rather have worked really, really hard to change something for somebody and put all the pressure on myself than to sit with this big thing. You know? And I think that, you know, I've heard a lot of people say in the past few months to me, interestingly enough, well, I just let them in that time slot because I'm compassionate. Or I just let them come over even though I was really tired and I didn't feel like it because I'm compassionate. Well, let me tell you what true compassion is. True compassion is holding the space for whatever is happening with someone and not trying to change it. That is some crazy, crazy, radical compassion. And when you practice that kind of compassion, people do not understand. They think you're being cold a mm-hmm. lot of times. Yep. And, and it's, it's not that. It's all. not. And it's it's the universal slap in the face. You know, the Dalai Lama talks about it, you guys, all the time, especially in teaching. So there's a different conversation <laughs> he has in a public talk on his schedule than the conversation that he has in a teaching. Just so you guys know. So when you look at his schedule, because everything's virtual in Zoom, so you don't even have to travel anywhere. But when you look at his schedule, just know the conversation he has in a public talk is very fluffy. And the conversation he has in a teaching is not so fluffy. And April, I cannot tell you how many times he has said, you do not have to condone someone's actions to be compassionate. Like he talks about it all the time. Like actually the most compassionate thing you can do is to get out of the way and let them have their awakening experience. Because what we're trying to do is exactly what you said. Those, those yamas and niyamas, man, those kicked our ass, didn't it? And yoga training, I was like, damn. And the stealing is a huge one. Because you're stealing time, you're stealing, I love what you just said, stealing experiences, you're stealing their opportunity to awaken. Yeah. And, and we can't forget that. And, and that is, it's just so huge. I mean, I, I just, and I wish, I'm sure it's in my notes in a journal somewhere, but there was one particular teaching in Long Beach, California that the Dalai Lama was talking about this very thing. And he was very like a forceful hand with the audience of, and he was talking about addiction 
and enabling. And he was talking about, you know, compassion is not allowing them to continue to suffer. And by enabling somebody, you're allowing them to perpetuate their suffering. And, you know, that's, that takes away something from their journey. It's really intense when you think about it. Like, it's intense and it's, it's radical. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, am I back? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, ra here. it's a radical, it's radical compassion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's radical. It's just radical compassion. And it's not something that makes sense to the mind. I don't think if that, it, it doesn't, it, you can't really like logic it out. You know, it, it's this deeper place that at least I've come to. And it's, it's just, it's a radical way of, of being really, because it goes against everything. I mean, look at, watch the news, watch the, I mean, you know, toothpaste. Do you have gingivitis? Well, you're not using the right toothpaste. You know, everything's trying to fix something. Everything's always trying to fix something. And what if we just said, screw it. We're not broken in the first place. We're not yeah. broken. We're not broken. That's the thing. And when we switch that perspective, I mean, gosh, what a lot of freedom comes through. You know, we may need to polish off some layers. We may need to do some practices. We may need to take a, some look at self-inquiry. So what? We're not broken. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a myth. And and when we treat people like they need our help, meaning like we swoop in and we're the hero and we save the day, what we're telling them is they are not good enough because they can't handle it by themselves. And we're telling them that they're broken. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. <laughs> <laughs> That's potent. <laughs> <laughs> that's profound so profound <laughs> you know i'm i'm designing my summer line of tank tops for my apparel line and i am totally gonna make a shirt that says this is so profound make another one that says you are not broken <laughs> We're going to put on the back of it dedicated to April. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it so much. Oh, me it. too. Cause it's, it's so true. So I'm going to have to find a really good picture for that one. I can already <laughs> imagine. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, you're making me cry over here. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, well, we have to laugh about it. You know what I mean? And it, and you know, cause it is, that's, I mean, that's some heavy handed stuff right there. We just gave everybody today. <laughs> We're like, whoopsh, whoopsh, whoopsh. <laughs> welcome to grace to grace. Oh man. That's, that's just my, I'm a redheaded Aries, and if you don't know what that translates to, it just basically means one word: fire. Yep, and it's I'm a, I'm I'm a dark-haired Scorpio, so I don't know what word that translates to, but it's equivalent. I would say it's a comparable. <laughs> so we're <I'm> comparable. <laughs> <laughs> well, my nickname at work was the Velvet Hammer, and I think like I've had to lay that Velvet Hammer down this week, and I. And so I think that's, you know, maybe I need a velvet hammer t-shirt. <laughs> I love that. That is so good. Isn't it? You know, what's awesome is so my boss, he was, so I was managing all the kid robot stores. I mean, this is what I was doing at one time and it was fabulous. It was the most fantastic, I would say is the peak of my fashion career. And I was traveling around the country and I was working at the corporate office in Boulder. I mean, it was just awesome. But what was even more awesome was my boss, who is the, the VP of operations, the COO. He was so 
phenomenal April. Like he was like the best boss for me because he would like sit me down and he would be like, so I want you to figure this out. He would always like push me to the next level and make me look at things in a different way. And he was really, really cool boss. But he sat me down one day and and I'd had to do some hard things. I had to go to the store in New York and let a bunch of people go and clean. I mean, the whole place was a disaster. I mean, it was just a whole ordeal. So it was really tough. And he said, you know, he said, he said he worked for this woman who had this nickname and he goes, and I really think that this is you. And he said, it's the velvet hammer. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, he said, well, here's the thing. He goes, you're always direct and so honest. It hurts. He's like, but you do it with like this compassion where no one can argue with you when you're telling them. And he's like, it's so important. And when, when we finished the store and it was all beautiful, my new team, I have a picture, I'll find it and I'll post it. But my team actually gave me a hammer when I, when I we were I all done it. because it like just went, but it's always stuck with me. And I love it too. Cause it's, that's kind of what you have to be. I think the Dalai Lama is like that. I think you have to be like kind and compassionate, but also like, mm, you got to go sit with your own crap. And I'm so sorry, but I'm not going to hold that for you. Going back to that holding word. What are we holding? What a great, what a great, um, Svetiaya, self-inquiry is yeah, what right. are you holding and who are you holding and why are you holding them? Yeah. What are you holding? Who are you holding? And why are you holding them? Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm going to put that in the forum chat because that's, that's a huge, mm -hmm. like I've had to sit with that this last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pain in the world and there's a lot of pain in, in, and suffering and and i think when you do this work it makes that okay mm -hmm. that sounds really strange i know but when you do the work of self-inquiry and shadow work and all the you know all the being able to to say i want to recognize my habits and my patterns whether it's physical or mental or emotional like show them to me when mm -hmm. we do that work we realize that it's okay it's part of our our exit it's part of our existence you know and it doesn't necessarily have to stay that way i don't think and i think you can probably can speak to this even better than i can maybe mm -hmm. but it's that way because because it's pushing us. It's like pushing us to freedom. Come on mm -hmm. over here. No, 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 no. Over here. No, 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 here, here, you know, and that's what suffering is. It's this incredible, profound gift and mm -hmm. catalyst that wakes us up to ourselves. Yep, it is. And, and, you know, the four noble truths, I mean, number one of the four noble truths is there is suffering. Yeah. And, and accepting that is the liberation you know the cessation yes. of suffering comes from accepting that there is suffering and and coming out of it it's not that it doesn't end like you're saying like it's not like shadow work ends or or you don't get angry it's that you're not stuck in it and you immediately catch yourself like now for me it's immediate it's like yeah, i'm angry like, whoa, mm -hmm. I need to stop right now and decide where this is coming from. And I don't often have to sit and journal and write and think and contemplate like I used to. Now it's right. like in 30 seconds, I'm like, oh, shit, like I know exactly where this is coming from. Yep. And it allows you to hold a different space in a conversation, too, because you're not triggered in the conversation. Right. And if you are triggered, like you're saying, if you notice, ooh, I'm making the face or I'm doing the thing. You know, you immediately can look at that in the moment and and change the course of the conversation or look at things differently. And, you know, to link it back to the Vata time, Vata is so mental. You know, we like think yeah. a lot and we're very creative. And so grounding that creativity is what contemplation is. Mm -hmm. To me, mm -hmm. contemplation is grounded vata that oh. is 
I am. I know, right? <laughs> I'm doing it to myself. I'm like, who's talking? It's not. Me. I know. That's what I feel like. But that's what it is. It's grounded. I think I might have to write a blog article about that because it's like really coming through so strong right now. Yeah. But yeah, it's that's, that's what grounded Vata is because Vata ungrounded is like a, a balloon that's like, you know, going off into creation. You got all these ideas and all this stuff. But when you're grounded, you can be in that contemplative state and those thoughts can come and go and come and go. And you're not attaching to it. You're not grabbing onto it. You're not doing something with it. Yeah. Um, man, that was potent teaching. I'm going to write it down. That was potent <laughs> teaching. Yeah. And the, the addiction, like we take a look at addiction to thoughts and habits and patterns and it just, it's, they're not there anymore in a way, you know, like I'm not addicted to my opinion whatsoever. If someone comes along and says, you know what? That ain't going to work that way. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's look at it. Yeah. You know? And I mean, you know, I, thoughts are, are their thoughts are so interesting. We could, we could have our next grace to grace just on thoughts themselves. There's so many different yeah. types. There's so many different things. But when we really look at thoughts, what, what are they? Where do they come from? Where do they go? And are they even us? Yeah. No. They're not us. They're just stuff coming at us. There's stuff going away from us. You know, we can look at those thoughts like a cloud in the sky, just going across the blue sky, you know, and, and it just comes and goes. And, and like you said, it doesn't attach. And I think that's the I think that's what starts to really happen is that processing is much recognizing is 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 like quantum. It's fast. Processing is so fast recognizing processing and knowing how to respond well is just fast now mm -hmm. it wasn't in the beginning i had all these things i had like different rings on my finger to look down and remember i had like you know stuff around my house i would you know find a feather and it was like god's gift which it is god's gift but what i'm saying is it was like these messages and i pull yeah. a card and like beautiful stuff that I, that is just now, I just know. Mm -hmm. Same here. I mean, I was noticing, I haven't even touched my journals since 2017. And that's kind of weird. I mean, I still write a lot, but I'm not writing like journaling. Like I'm yeah. not like writing out all my, and, and I didn't even notice that until recently. And I was like, wow, I have all these journals because I'm writing my book and my next book. And I thought, wow, I really haven't done that kind of processing every, every once in a while. But a lot of what I write now is more, um, you know, other things than, than processing. I'm not processing in a journal. I'm doing other things, creative yeah. things. I think that's a great way to put it. And I, I am with you. I recognize that recently too. Like I'll sit down and process and I'm like, wait a second. I don't even need to write this. It's already done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like what else is there to do now? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think that that is really, I don't know, profound. <laughs> Low hanging fruit. I know. Low hanging. I love it, man. Time flies when we're together. Cause there is no time. <laughs> Man, you just need to go back through this episode and make all your t-shirts. I know, seriously. I'm like, I you really. Them all. They're all here. <laughs> they are. I'm doing one. Oh man, I'm so excited. One of them is WSFM. So it's like a radio station, but I don't know if you've heard that phrase, but WSFM is weird science and fucking magic. And so... I've got a WSFM and then I have a WIIFM, which is the what's in it for me um, shirt. But, uh, and then my littlest is little Sadie Jewel designed her own. And it's this, this hot dog dog, like a dog, the, the dogs that look like long, the wiener dogs, you know, and it has an, it's got an astronaut outfit on and she, the, it says I'm a space doggo and I'm so hungry. <laughs> 
And it's so cute. It's I so bet it's cute. so cute. Because <laughs> I have a space unicorns. I don't know if you guys have seen that or if you've seen it, April, but I have a space unicorn sweatshirt and I love it so much. So she's like, I'm going to make a space doggo. So I let her design one, but it's really fun. It's like this weird side thing I do, but I really like it. It's fun. But yeah, we have several shirts today. Several shirts. Several, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we, we were... We were throwing down. <laughs> Laying down the velvet hammer. Velvet hammer. Uh, <laughs> oh. Man. Lady, what do I do with you? I don't know. What do I do with you? <laughs> one, one thing I need to do with you is tell everybody. I know April's stuff's going across the screen, but for audio and for all the people watching, how do they find you? And what are you doing these days so that they know where to get you? Um... Yeah, that I love that you have that ticker taping. Um, you can find pretty much everything on my website, which is aprilrene.co, which you can find at the bottom. Don't do com, do co. Um, and I have a group on uh, the app as well. Um, and I have a co-host show called Walking the Path of Courage, which many of you might have seen. Lisa is our next guest on it. Raquel Bravo is my co-host and my, the, the logistician, is that a good word? <laughs> yes, I like it. Um, and she's, you know, put together this beautiful show and Lisa will be on it next week along with Julie Hoyle. And that's April 21st. I think it's 3 p.m. Mountain Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And then I'll, uh, I'm actually co-authoring a book that will be probably coming out June, July. You know how those things go. Um, mm -hmm. And my co-author is uh, Katie Weinberger, who's also on the app. So you might want to follow her. She's an incredibly beautiful, profound writer. And um, yeah, that will be coming out. And then I think that we are going to do something, you know, we're not quite sure the name yet, but we're going to create a container for anyone that wants to publish a manuscript to self-publish. And we'll have peer editing and groups, and then we'll be able to like, um, you know, by then, cause we'll be published, we'll be able to talk about, you know, the wrap, the roots to self-publishing. So that by the end of the container time together, we will have, you know, you'll have a manuscript. Um, and then, you know, we'll have alumni where we keep the, keep the thing going, where we just all kind of get each other's books which is very cool. Oh, I think that's so cool. That I sounds awesome. It. I love it. And we're fleshing it out still, as you can see. But I, I mean, I think it's going to be really, really cool. And then I'll be doing some trainings probably in the fall. Um, you know, I'm thinking about doing posture and stress, you know, a little bit about what I talked today about today, which of course that's in a few months. So you'll be able to see, I'm going to do a fascial training. I'm trained in fascia, myofascia, um, the fascial lines, uh, pretty much anything yoga therapy related I'm trained in. <laughs> so anyway, I've got a lot of trainings coming up at some point in the next few months too. So I love it. I love it. Well, I need to get to a weight class. It's going to happen. Please I got to get through April. I got to get through April, April. <laughs> But uh, anyways, I things are going to open up, which is good, because I'd really like to do some of that because I think it would be a healthy thing for me to do some of that. So I'm excited about that and connecting with you on that. But I'm, it's all good. Lots of good stuff. And I'm excited for next week. And um, here yeah. we go. And then don't forget, um, April's in Ajata Casa. So if you haven't downloaded the app, do it. And um, your group, April, is the wisdom of our bodies, which is so you. Thank you. I'll and be posting a lot more in there just for tips and tricks like we were talking about earlier to, you know, really train our nervous systems and, you know, come into balance there. So, yeah. Well, and I'm excited. You know, I'm going on this block therapy journey, so we'll have to keep talking. I mean, I guess not probably on this show, but. Offline anyway, we'll keep talking about fascia because it's definitely, um, I think I feel like fascia is the unlock for the cellular changes that all of us want to make on the planet and to really shift 
how you look and, and how you feel. So I'm excited to go on this journey and to talk to you more about it wow. too. And I love it. It's so profound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not even on purpose. I love it. Well, yeah, my, my hope is that my Indigo Flow Yoga um, starts in May. So I will be teaching in May finally, you guys. Yay. Um, but I'm combining. So I've been deep in my own process of studying yantra yoga with the, the Tibetan practices. And um, so I am going to be teaching a mix of these yantra practices with fascia and the block. So I feel like there's something really powerful about exploding your feminine energy. And that seems to be what's happening in those practices. So all sorts of good stuff to talk about. Oh, I love it. We could go on for hours. We really could. And we have at least one. But uh, thank you. Thank you, Mary, for listening. Thank you to everybody who's out there. Um, Again, go into the Buddhist Biohacker Forum. We'll be talking in there. I'll post some things about this show and yesterday's shows in there today. And um, I love all of you guys. Have a great weekend. We are back on Tuesday, I think, next week. Let me just tell you what the Buddhist biohacker schedule is. Okay, let's see. Actually, so Tuesday, I'm back. We are we have space circles. For those of you who are Starseed members here on YouTube, our space circle where I'm connecting with ultra-terrestrials is at 1030 in the morning on Tuesday. And then at one o'clock mountain time, me and Delisa and Nikki Allen are getting together again to do some um, mediumship work with forensic mediumship. So that'll be interesting. Um, And then next week, we also have um, Krista Pashonik as our Diamond Beauty. So really only a couple shows next week, you guys. Not a lot going on, but all good stuff that is. So. Thank you, April. I love you so much. Thank you. I love you. Wonderful to talk to you as always. You too. And thank you to everybody. We will see you guys on Tuesday.